we can start from Lorenzakis uh, already annoying Luka Doncic in the first friendly game. It was like it's. I w- do you call it in, as something? Was it something annoying? It felt I like mean, they were you know enjoying each other. Enjoying each other, but you know that iron- no bad words iron- yet. Ironic smile, from, ironic smile from Luca already. We 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 were already seeing that in the first friendly game, and he got stomped on his ankle like two or three times in the yeah. first friendly game because that's just that's apparently how Greece will play this uh, this summer if Yanis is not available. I mean. They will try be, to injure players. <laughs> no, no, I'm not saying this. They <laughs> okay. will be just uh, tough, just to make clear tough team to play against. Like nah, of it's course. it's not going to be fun playing against those uh, guards that are chasing you full court, uh, 28 meters uh, on the FIBA court. It's it's not going to be fun for anybody. And you know, Luka Doncic felt that he played what like 25 minutes. I didn't look at the stats, but every time he had the ball and was taking twenty nine actually twenty nine minutes first exhibition game they were they were full court pressing him. So Greece is not going to be fun to play against. Uh, welcome to the Rubonas podcast, guys. As you see, it is Vishnauskas, Augusto Shlauskas, Donatos Rubonas. We will talk about FIBA World Cup and preparation for the FIBA uh, World Cup a lot uh, on this podcast. We're just three weeks away from the FIBA World Cup, and we will try to share our first insights, uh, having a first look at Greece and Slovenia. And of course, there will be some other yearly topics in the mix and some some teaser for the uh, upcoming FIBA event. So we already started with some of the insights, but, uh, and of course we will talk about Greek national team potential in the World Cup, but uh, what were your main takes from from this game because we cannot take it seriously. It's it's not is highly recommended not take serious any of the friendly games and sometimes even the whole preparation stage. But you know, it's the first time we see Luka Doncic in Slovenia jersey this summer. It's the first time we see Dinos Mitoglu playing professional basketball after uh, one year and a half. A lot of you know exciting things to watch uh, yesterday. What were your main uh, highlights of the game? You can't really analyze this game too much. Obviously, there were some things that will translate to the other games and the tournament. Uh, one thing, the first thing that caught my eye was the refereeing in in Slovenia. Okay. Uh, I always, when I watch these friendly games, I'm like, why are you protecting your star players and your team in the country you're playing? So Slovenian refs were trying to protect Luka, I, th- I, I thought, yesterday. Like some of the calls he gets in these friendly games remind me the calls that Yanis got last summer in the friendly games in the tournament they had in Greece. He was shooting like 10 plus free throws in every game. And like Luca in the first quarter got some calls that were, I was like, how is this a foul? He bumps Kalidzakis, barely, Kalidzakis barely does any damage to him. That's two free throws. On the other side, Exactly same move. Kalidzakis falls uh, out of bounds, tries the over the backboard shot, no call. And I just thought, why you can't be the same on on both sides? But and if I'm you're like, a referee, and if especially if you're a Slovenian referee, do you really want to have this 40 minutes uh, pressure from Luka Doncic and you are, complaining about refereeing? You are a referee. You do your job, and and you know 
complaining is what almost every player does nowadays. So, but complaining it's, it's from Luka Doncic, you know, it's it's from another level. And it's a friendly game. It's a middle of summer. It's August. You so know, you it's not the season. Maybe it was the first game for the referee as well. I'm just like calling every foul and giving <laughs> Luka Doncic shoot 17 free throws so in just, his first game. So you just allowed him anything, right? You don't want to mess game. with Luka, really. Okay. Not in off season. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I mean. I just I just don't really understand that. Another impression was that by the way, just just to finish about the free throws, there was a sequence where Luca missed six free throws in a row. Mm. And I was like, you know, watching the game, fast forwarding some situations, especially free throws, and I was like, is it real? Is it, did he really miss like six free throws? And I checked the play by play. Yeah, exactly. He had this crazy stretch. So so yeah, in general, nine oh, from seventeen. He he I, made only nine from seventeen. I did game. not realize he shot that many. Yeah, seventeen, and the entire Greek team, nineteen. Okay, that kind of explains and something. Another point I was I wanted to make was like, first quarter I'm watching Greece run their offense, and it's like sometimes I felt like I'm watching the Olympiakos' offense. You know, they had Walkup, they had the Lerenzakis, they had Papa Nicolaou, they had. Papayan is playing the Mustafa Fall type of role, just posting up. And some of the plays actually are what, you know, Bartokas were was running this year. Their that motion play, their one of their favorite plays was is exactly the same. They run it like from sideline out of bounds. So it was like, oh cool. Like Itudis have a mix right now from Fenerbahce place and Olympiakos' place. So it's really it's really interesting to see how they will run with with this uh, with this group of guys. So, and you know, Lorenzakis defending Doncic was really interesting to see, just picking him full court and then not allowing to him to breathe easily. So, it was first first game, a lot of turnovers, not not turnovers, but not a lot of quality from both teams. But it was just interesting to see, and and it will be interesting to see how the those things change or and translate going forward. Yeah, I mean, it was fun to watch the game, although it doesn't mean anything, although you cannot make any uh, serious evaluations about the game. But every time you see Luka Doncic playing, especially in Slovenia jersey, it just brings a lot of excitement. I mean, he he had 21 points, 10 rebounds, 14 assists, and like three, four or five assists were like full court passes, like NFL plays. Those were amazing. And it just gives such a huge you know weapon uh, for slovenia in, in transition game especially when they have so many guys who can run the floor especially especially when they had jordan morgan as their as center, the center instead of uh mike toby so i mean it was just fun to watch luca although he he wasn't efficient uh he scored only five from 13 uh from the floor the place he created the, the place he made created for for others i mean it's always exciting to watch slovenia on offense on defense, Definitely. it's it's a different topic, and probably they will suffer for, from 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 it in the entire competition. So, and it's again, it's going to be one of their main you know uh, flaws uh, coming into the competition. And for Greece, it it was just interesting to see how these guys can can play together. How Thomas Walkup looks in Greek national team jersey, and he looked really he great. looked good. <laughs> he he made Pretty some good. clutch shots in the end. Uh, added some nice step back three pointer of course made his assists and his uh, part of his job uh, defensively Lunzis seven assists mm -hmm. 30 minutes 13 points solid solid performance papa nicolao five threes uh, five from five i think yeah 
I think he was. Uh, he was six from six. Come on now, it's crazy. Six from uh, from six from three. He was great moving off the ball and just. I don't know if Walkup deserves like the man of the match for all those shots in the end, or or Papa Nikolaou for uh, for what he 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 did uh, throughout all the game. Yeah, I'm not not sure which one would deserve the the yeah. award, man of the match. Yeah, there was uh, some stretches where Papayanis. I think at one point in the first quarter, in s- only in the first quarter, Papayanis made like three blocks. Tanasis and Takumbo also brought his energy defensively. Great game for him. It was yeah. it was interesting game to watch. You mm-hmm. know, to try to make a picture of what can you expect from Greek uh, national team and Slovenia and Slovenia. So can they as well? Can they win something so, this year? So as Lucas said. Every time we go to a championship, the goal is to win it. And I have a question for you guys. Do you see the Slovenian national team? Do you see Luka Doncic bringing the Slovenian national team on the World Cup podium? They're one of the contenders to win a medal. I'm not saying gold medal necessarily, but a medal. If you look at their track record, they were very close to winning an Olympic medal uh, in Tokyo. Uh, after Batum's block on Prepelic, probably they had a burnout and they weren't really up for the bronze medal game where Patty Mills was cooking. But in general, they were like one shot away from winning an Olympic medal. In the previous Eurobasket, I think they lost just because of their attitude. Uh, and maybe that's a lesson for them to learn. I'm, I'm talking about the quarterfinal uh, versus Poland. So if they bring the right attitude... Uh, to this tournament, if they respect the competition and the opponents properly and prepare for games, I don't see why they cannot go far. But uh, in these competitions, it's always going to be about one game against a very tough opponent. Usually it's the quarterfinal. That, that's the toughest, uh, maybe a semifinal. I'm not sure about the brackets right now, talking about Slovenia. But as long as you have Doncic, you are one of the contending teams. Uh, the roster is more or less similar to what we used to. It's just that in the naturalized players' uh, position, um, they will not have Mike Toby. Uh, Mike Toby is going to join the team. I'm just not sure how they're going to play so this So they out. will have to like, decide, they will have to decide. Which, which, which one goes yeah. to the tournament. And Pro- maybe we will bring this question up as well, I, which, I, which player I, fits uh, fits better. But yeah, let's continue with your But thoughts. in general, I mean, you can expect more of the same uh, from them. You know how they're going to mm. play uh, a, like a team that plays a lot of pick-and-roll actions, paint pick-and-roll, and all that stuff that Luka Doncic loves to play. It's his team. And defensively, as I said, they're, they're not the type of team that you can expect to grind games. But when they have it their no. way, when Luka has these 40-plus point performances, uh, there are nightmares for, for other teams. It's just that I think uh, for Luka, maybe he also learned that he doesn't necessarily have to bring his A game from the very first day. Like, let's take the Olympic Games in Tokyo. He started versus Argentina with a crazy record-breaking performance. I, I mean, there was 50 points or something. And then you go further in the tournament. Then in the semifinal, you face the extreme physicality of uh, Team France. It gets tougher. You're getting tired. Your body is becoming uh, fatigued. And then in the bronze medal game, he just 
didn't have it in him anymore. So the, the same happened in Eurobasket. You remember he also yeah. was close to to make a record of Eurobasket history in group stage. And then yeah, exactly. So and maybe that's another forward. thing that maybe in in the group stage. Of course, he needs to be the leader, but sometimes you can save some energy because if you're f dreaming about the title, about the championship, you need to be ready it's for this full course of an extremely difficult schedule. But probably it's also up to the coaching staff to work on this load management. It's probably is hard for, uh, for Luca. it probably is hard to ask him not to give his full energy offensively or not to be involved offensively. Defensively, yeah, he is doing a good job on load management, but offensively, he wants to have the ball. <laughs> he wants to create for himself Look, or for others. But if, if I have to be honest, and it's just my opinion, I'm not an insider of the Slovenian camp. I don't think it's up to the coach. Okay. <laughs> okay. I think if Luca decides something, it happens. So it's it's not like the coach will sub Luca in the middle of the first quarter and say to him like, "Now you're gonna sit for 15 minutes." That's my decision. Respect it. I do believe that Luca Doncic is the one who's who's making substitutions he, he, for himself. His right? word is the last word, <laughs> right? If he decides that in this game he's done, it means he's done. And I'm not disrespecting their coach, but it, it, it's just the way it is, in my opinion. But that's just my personal opinion. Maybe I'm wrong. And you mentioned the groups, and uh, you said quarterfinal is going to be the toughest game. But the way the roadmap is created and the bracket is created, the groups are created, Slovenia will have like important games even before the quarterfinal because from Australia, Germany, and Slovenia, and Finland yeah. as well. Out of four of these teams, there is Georgia as well. Out of these five teams, you can short it down, Slovenia, Germany, and Australia. One of the teams is not going to make the quarterfinals. So there will be important games already, let's say in the second round, yeah. because the, their group is... Kfer, Georgia, Venezuela. Yeah. But in the second stage, they might face Germany, Finland, Australia, or Japan. Yeah, so basically, so I'm just saying that he doesn't need to dominate versus uh, Venezuela. Kfer, or yeah. Venezuela. Mm. If the game somehow becomes close, then of course, in the fourth quarter, you need to be serious. Mm. But in general, I think they should they're capable of winning these games without Luka Doncic 100% and, best performances. And just to add about this uh, road uh, to the podium and the quarterfinals, they might face somebody from Spain, um, Latvia, France, or Canada. Probably these are the favorites to, to advance from their groups. That that part of the bracket is is extremely hard in my eyes, much harder than the the other one apparently uh, because apparently. at first the so Jokic and Yanis it felt like we were in this death <laughs> side of bracket right uh talking about Slovenia can Doncic take them to the podium and you already mentioned the Toby Morgan question that's what I had uh, thought of uh, what I've written in my notes like it's going to depend a lot I think on this decision who are the which center are they going to take these are two di different type of players you know Toby is a guy who can stretch the floor Slovenia plays the five-out op offense with him. It's really hard to, you know, switch when he's on the when he's on the roster because then it's just Luca one-on-one -on -one basketball, and you don't have a guy in the paint, so everything opens up for Luca. And uh, to me, it's not up. You know, we we all know what Luca is going to offer. Like their offense is going to be okay, but. Jordan uh, Morgan has shot 16 frees in his entire career. 
bro, according to Instat, made only one. He's great roller, great finisher around the rim, great runner. Two outlet passes from Luca in this first friendly game uh, was for him because he was running to the rim so fast in the transition. And they were trying to switch with him. But I just don't think he adds as much to their uh, as much to their defense as Toby does to their offense. And Slovenia is, are winning games with their offense. Mm. So I'm really intrigued which one um, the coach is going to choose. But I just think Toby is a better fit because Luca and their offense, you know, are more dangerous with him on the roster. So uh, it's going to be interesting just to see which one uh, they take to the championship. Yeah, and if I believe that Luca will bring them to the podium. Well, my answer would be that I'm not sure. I agree that if you have Luca, you already become a contender for something serious. But at the same time, I remember when they had this great run at the Olympics, they played tremendous basketball uh, offensively. And a lot of coaches, a lot of people repeated that it's not all about Luca. It's about the entire Slovenia team, the way they were uh, trying to play defense aggressively, uh, the way they were contributing offensively. It was, okay, it all started from Luca, but it also, it was a huge effort from other guys. And when you look uh, at their core and when you look at their season, it's really hard to find another Slovenian player who is on the rise at the moment. For instance, Klemen Prepelic, who was always very important for Slovenian national team. He had probably his worst season, not probably, he had his worst season in Valencia and it was probably the least efficient season that he had since Real Madrid years. Jakob Lajic, the same, he had a very tough season uh, in Turkey. Uh, Mike Toby, he was in and out for Barcelona, he was not getting a consistent playing time, so he was not in his best uh, rhythm. Few other players, uh, and they were they will be missing Edo Muric. For me, he's underrated. Uh, that's an underrated loss uh, for Slovenia national team because he added a lot of... Uh, he gave them flexibility defensively to play the small ball and he acted pretty well in, in a lot of stretches that basically decide some games as a center uh, playing small ball for Slovenia and they won't have him. He's also very important uh, presence in the locker room. So I think that they will miss him a lot. We already emphasized how much they uh, struggle defensively and Edo Muric was probably their uh, best uh, defender uh, on the court. They for sure will, will miss him. Uh, other players are not in their best shape. And of course, it's Slovenia. And usually those players have this Mantas Kalnietis thing in their game. When hmm. it's national team basketball, they become way different players. And of course, thanks, Vlad uh, thanks to Luka as well. Vladko Chancar. And Vladko Chancar is probably the only guy, and also what is important thing, that he had a... He, he's growing step by step, slowly in the Denver Nuggets. Uh, they admire his game more and more uh, every season and uh, he adds to his game uh, some stuff and of course as a stretch four option or as a player who can actually play a five position with these Slovenian rotations he can become a very solid piece but I'm missing some some other players to be in a great momentum to reach something uh, great in, in the World Cup but we'll see we'll see it just the the prediction the feeling that I have about the Slovenia for the World Cup competition. It's early, but I think it's fair to say that we are not predicting Slovenia a medal in this World Cup because they, they, they are facing a tough uh, tough bracket, let's say. They are also have you know a lot of holes in their roster and Luka alone can't really 
doesn't seem like he's capable to do so much for this team to to bring a medal back home, not in the Eurobasket, but in the World Cup. I'm not predicting anything, honestly. Yeah. I don't know. L- I, I, lately, Ritis is not predicting anything. Because <laughs> as you, when you mature as a person, you realize how uh, pointless it is to mm-hmm, predict true. these tournaments. So I think they are capable of winning a medal. Do I see mm-hmm. them as my top three team, let's say? Not analyzing the brackets, mm-hmm. that the, yeah. the whole bracketology. It's just that, do I see them as my top three team? No, I don't. But can they win a medal? Yes. Mm. So mm. that would be my yeah. answer. I also, let, let, let's put it <laughs> It's not a way. prediction. It's not, it's not a predi- I'm not predicting yeah. this. That's observation yeah. of their All potential. Right. Because I, will, I, will, I also, I wouldn't be surprised if they win the medal, oh my but God, I, I consider it as a highly unlikely. Okay. Let's put this and way. And that's not a prediction. <laughs> How Come did, on, guys. Rick Pitino, when he came back to Panathinaikos in, in a EuroLeague interview, he said, it was improbable, but not impossible. It's crazy that to this we're, day we're, we're still uh, we're still quoting Rick. I Pitino. will never stop quoting Rick Pitino because his press conferences uh, were like a stand-up comedy shows to me. <laughs> After Euroleague games, I would always watch watch these press conferences on YouTube. Yeah. So, what about Greece? Though you have a bold prediction about Slovenia, right? So I don't have a bold prediction. It's just you know we are doing a podcast, so <laughs> I just feel it's, it's fair, like, to give an opinion and, and a prediction for those who listen to us. Like, I don't want it to become. I don't. I want us to become. A, a, no, we are not predicting anything. We are just talking, but we are not predicting. Okay, anything. I don't see Slovenia winning a medal. Are you Thank happy right you. now? Finally, I'm happy right now. Finally, I'm just waiting for Ritis to give us. But he was already that said. Such a game I said I, for you. <laughs> to me, they are not a top three team. Thank yeah. you. That's yeah. their answer. Let's go. To talk and what about was your Greece. take about them? You don't no. you see them reaching the quarterfinals, and then no about medal. I don't think mm. they are winning the medal. Okay, that's it. Okay, Could I just go. don't want to see these great players suffering uh, games for let's say seventh or f- fifth place. Mm. At the same time, you know, it might decide. They might decide. Yes, they might be important, tickets, but. So. It's just, to me, it's so frustrating when I see great players competing, not for a medal, but for a fifth or sixth or seventh place or whatever. Mm. It happened, let's say, in the uh, in the previous World Cup when uh, Serbia played Team USA for, for the, eighth place. Like, yeah. Serbia won, so they yeah. then, then they played for, for the fifth, fifth mm. and then USA ended up playing Czech Republic for, for the seventh Which is place. even worse. It's like, come know. on. <laughs> so, yeah. What about Greece? What about Greece? Without Yanis, without Dorsey, without uh, Kalatis, uh, who else is missing? I think that they have another, they could build another team of those mm. players that are missing. At least a solid starting five. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I just, I, I, like I said, I don't think it's going to be funny to play them this year. They're going to be this grit and grind mem- old Memphis Grizzlies playing type of basketball where they defend, where they are maybe a little bit dirty with you, just attached to you, uh, pressing full court. We saw in the friendly game, they're already trying to mix in some zone pressure. So Itudis will, you know, make something up in the defense and make it not fun, like play the game for you, like he did for, you know, maybe Olympiakos in the the quarterfinal series and many other times. 
Um, team play will be above all. I see a lot of off-ball movement from them. Uh, I'm intrigued to see uh, Dino Smitoglu and Tanasis Antetokounmpo front court. I think they complement each other very well. Tanasis was great in this first friendly game, mm. just his energy. He played as a five, right? He played as a five yeah. and Mitoglu as a four, but you know, he doesn't shoot, but Mitoglu yeah. shoots at the four and Mitoglu can, you know, beat the closeout with the dribble. So uh, Mitoglu would be perfect fit for Slovenia if, if mm. we are, you know, talking mm. about the Toby and uh, if Mor playing Morgan. a general manager, but Russian Nesterovich is out, and he was genius with bringing Anton <laughs> Randolph, Kokoshkov, and then Mike Toby at that point. So right. So uh, and just the the only question and the question mark is normal for this team where the scoring will come from. You know, Papa Nikolaou is not going to shoot six. Is not going to make five or six three pointers every game. Thomas Walkup, I'm not sure if his performance on the latest Urbonus podcast was better than his performance in the uh, first friendly okay. game. Okay. Like he was making step back, uh, uh, one handed uh, layups, really tough shots there, playing like, a, you know, the main ball handler for that Greece team. So uh, maybe against a better defense than Slovenia, I'm not sure if, you know, he's mm. the guy to, to do this in every game at the end of the game. So. Uh, that's that's the main question for them, and and probably it's it's fair to have this. I think you said it very well. Uh, in my opinion, they will probably face uh, shooting issues, similarly to the previous Eurobasket. Mm. They had Giannis, but shooting was still a problem for them. Uh, they don't have very consistent shooters. I would never bet my money on Papa Nicolau making all of his spot up frees as he did in this this friendly unless game. It's a, unless it's a final game or some super important game, <laughs> then he's making those shots. In general, I would not bet him <laughs> make those shots. In general, we just advise also not to bet. You know, so yeah, uh, I'm not promoting betting. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. I wouldn't bet. <laughs> uh, the thing is, they are a very tall and physical team, as you said. Uh, when you have a defensive-minded point guard as Thomas Walkup, and you have Lorenzakis next to him. It's going to be very hard for for the other teams to create to Nicolau, to have their set offense running, um, and it might come down to Lithuania Greece game mm -hmm. as a decider for both teams, right? And in this case, I would see it as a almost a fifty-fifty game. Uh, we're talking. Now, when we are not sure about Yana's situation, yeah. right? But let's say so, let's the, say he doesn't play. Yeah, yeah, I don't see Greece as a spectacular team. I don't see them as a really flashy team that you really would want to watch if you're a neutral. But yeah, as you said, they will have the right mentality. They have a good coach, so uh, they will cause problems for sure to to the others. But without Yanis, they're just lacking star power mm. and offense that simple i think that their one star player and especially offensive oriented star player away from becoming a title uh medal contender podium contender so of course with yanis they, they they're contenders yeah they were contenders in the euro basket but yanis dorsey let's say yanis and dorsey and that's it that's a team to, yeah. to win a last medal. year they could could have won it but it just happened that germany at home 
had an amazing night. 17 of 31. One of the best reports. Some of the players played their career. Yeah. Uh, they had their career best performances and it just happened. It was a, a spectacular game of basketball and mm. Germany was just on another level on that night. So, uh, yeah, I, I mean, Greece, you can never uh, rule them out. Mm. Maybe it might even help them if they go to the tournament with sort of an underdog status. Yeah. Uh, like 2019 World Cup for them was a disaster, even though Yanis played, mm. but with all these calls uh, from the referees, he was so frustrated, he was not happy, and, and the team was just not clicking. But they were playing such a bad basketball that year. Yeah, although like, they had Lucas Printer yeah, and were some coached, other players. The, the things they ran in offense were just like n n made didn't make any sense didn't i remember that I any remember sense that. there and and now if you do this <coughs> when you do when you do this at yanis last year it was much more it was it was great to watch it was logical things made sense and yeah this year they're going to play without yanis it's going to be already uh, also a completely different way yeah. so yeah i believe that greeks i don't know they're clear feelings about their national team. I talked with a few Greek guys, and of course they said that they, they have, let's say, high expectations or any expectations. And I feel that they feel like us as well in Lithuania, with many Lithuanian players missing our bar of expectations uh, decreased significantly, but at the same time, and I, I believe that they were ruled out by a lot of people uh, from the outside, let's say. You see Yanis not playing, you see Kostas Lukas, we didn't mention Kostas Lukas. You see uh, Dorsey skipping the competition, Nicolaitis, and you think that, I mean, it's over, it's done. There's no conversation about them being dangerous, but when you look at their team, when you go case by case, player by player, like Thomas Walkup, the best defensive player in the EuroLeague, uh, Lerenzakis, pain in the ass, uh, three points, uh, threats, uh, trash talker, somebody who will get you injured or stopped. Kostas Papanikolaou, one of the best veterans that we have in the EuroLeague. Uh, Dinos Mitoglu, yes, he might be rusty after not playing such a for such a big stretch. But at the same time, you know, I loved his game uh, as a as a foreman who can also play as a center, who can also stretch the floor uh, to some extent. Papayanis, I mean, he has a lot of uh, to prove. Finally, he will be healthy. Like a year ago, he was a second year league, all year league team uh, player. Uh, coming off the bench, they have Tanasis and Takumbo, Kalidzakis, uh, a lot of, you know, hustlers, defenders. Mm. And yeah, they're missing uh, offensive threat, but at the same time, they will be a very tough opponent to okay, play. Okay, but since we're giving our oh, opinions. Since Augustus. And, and predictions. Our predictions. So my question is, you said a lot of good things about Greece, but yeah. do you rank them above Lithuania? Uh, because like I said, it might come down to them facing each other mm -hmm. in a decisive game. We are closely connected to Greece this summer. Yeah, so do you <laughs> rank them above Lithuania? I mean, Lithuania also mm. is missing a lot of important yeah. players. That's a good question. Uh-oh. Because I'm not ranking them higher. For me, they're pretty equal. Maybe I would give a slight advantage for Lithuania, but I'm not confident about Lithuania over Greece. I have, I see them having more advantages, especially offensively. And th these are two different type of teams. Very different. So for sure. it, it it will. I mean, it it it's it's the matter of how these teams will click in in four weeks at 
if they will reach their peak, if they will, you know, find chemistry on and off the floor. And those. So four in general, weeks. you mostly agree that it would be a 50-50 situation if they play one game, right? On paper, I give like 55 for Lithuania. Okay. On paper. I would give 51 to Greece. Okay. 51. But, but it's like really close. And I think Montenegro will be in this three team mix. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So they might they be can, this dark horse. They might of this like side they might they can disrupt the whole bracket. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. they might win one game against one of these teams, and then it's like yeah, three team tie and like they have a good solid seven or eight man rotation, and in these tournaments sometimes it's just enough. You don't need to have hmm. twelve players that are equally good. Sometimes you just need a core of seven, yeah. eight players, and all the others can just step up for some minutes. But uh, when you see them with Vucevic, with Dublevic, with Kendrick Perry, uh, who else is there? Nikola Ivanovic, uh, Simonovic. They do have all the tools. That's a decent core, yeah. Yeah. So Donatas asked, you know, f everyone to prepare three most interesting teams, players to uh, watch. Three things to watch. Yeah. Three things you're anticipated to watch and in the tournament. This would be the perfect transition because I chose three teams that might have an upset story in the tournament, and I always love to see you know an upset story. It always happens uh, during the tournament, and I think Montenegro has a chance. Basically, I chose three teams that could advance to the quarterfinals when they are not supposed to, given their roster and the bracket and the teams they have in groups. So I have Montenegro as one of my dark horses and you, for all the reasons you mentioned, uh, you know, they have Perry and those centers, some additional players and someone who can come from off the bench, Mikhailovic. So maybe with Lithuania and Greece with so many losses and so many players not coming, not playing in the tournament this year, you know, Montenegro could give them a run for their money. Uh, and another team I have is Dominican Republic. I think they have an interesting core if their NBA guys uh, play, the Carl Anthony Towns, Al Horford. They have Chris Duarte, who was great in Indiana. Now he's with Sacramento, I think he signed. They have uh, Lester Kun. Quinones, who is, I saw in the summer league, he's a really great uh, guard with the Golden State. He was the G League's most improved player. So it's not like they don't have, it's not, it's not like they have only Cat and Al Horford if they, if they play. They also yeah. have some other guys in the backcourt that's always necessary. So, and they're playing in the group A, uh, where, whereas group A is like, one of the easiest, I think, groups there. They have Angola, Philippines, and Italy. So they should qualify with Italy, go to the next round, where they will face uh, Serbia and China, Puerto Rico, or South Sudan. So if they manage to win one upset game against maybe Italy or Serbia, who will not have Jokic, as we know, I don't know, maybe they make 17 three-pointers like Germany did. Uh, against Greece. Well, Carl Anthony Towns said he's the best shooting big man ever. So if okay. we see exactly that in one game against these giants, let's say, then maybe Dominican Republic can be in the quarterfinals. That's crazy. This bracket is so... 
much easier so than the easy, yeah. group A, B, C, and From D. From the look on your face, I thought you were going to say disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to find the correct word. And why it always happens the same way. Wherever you have China, somehow they have the best brackets in the competition among all the teams. The same happened at the... FIBA woke up in China as well. I'm excited like to see what bracket in 2027 Qatar will have. <laughs> <laughs> South Sudan, Puerto Rico, and Angola. And, and, and before 2027, they will introduce a new rule that you can have six naturalized players. Okay. Or uh, uh, the host starts from quarterfinals <laughs> in the tournament. <laughs> and my last team, my last dark horse team is uh, Finland. They don't have a favorable bracket, but they have Lauri Markkinen, who in my eyes can take the Nikola Jokic and Yanis' role He's in this the tournament. perfect FIBA player. Perfect FIBA player. Had an amazing season in the NBA. So productive, so efficient shooting the ball. Uh, they also have Jantunen, who played in Italy. Now he signed with Paris. Uh, Miro Little, amazing kid. Uh, you saw him live. Christian <laughs> Sunrise Academy. Yeah, But that, that's... That's quite a jump from Sunrise Christian <laughs> to FIBA World Cup, don't you think? <laughs> he already played in Eurobasket and, you know, he got some minutes, so... They have... Very energetic guy. They have Sasu Salen, one of the best FIBA shooters. <laughs> and yeah. uh, Madsen, you know, the high flyer. Yeah. yeah. Big, so... Honestly, Finland to me, ever since, I think, the 2011 Eurobasket in Lithuania... When they still had that older generation of players with Koponen, Raniko, mm. Motola, and all the others. Ever since then, I felt like this is the team that has almost perfect chemistry. Mm. And it helps so much. Of course, you need some talent, as you have with, mm. with Markkanen. But to me, it always seems like these guys enjoy so much playing for a national team. They take so much pride in it. And that is also another extra step sometimes that might might help you overcome some struggles. And and they had a really good Eurobasket last year. Mm -hmm. And after that, Laurie Markkinen has his best season ever so far in the NBA. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's an interesting team. Yeah, Unfortunately, they have Germany yeah. and uh, Australia in their group. Yeah, that's so tough. That's very they tough. have to they start upsets from the first no, game. That's very yeah. tough. They need to win at least one of these games. They're playing Australia in the first game, yeah. Japan, and then Germany. So, okay, it's a tough group. It's tougher than groups A and B combined, I think. So, your three teams to watch—that's my three teams: Montenegro, Dominican Republic, and, and Finland. Finland. Just, just teams who might make a surprise of going to the quarterfinals. Okay, and I would like to to see that. Who do you have as your picks? I wasn't focusing as much uh, on a dark horse role yeah. as my personal preferences. It was a very open selection. So uh, my number one is Australia because it, it has been my favorite national team since 2008 Beijing Olympics. And that was when Patty Mills introduced himself to the world, to the audience. Uh, and he's still here uh, at the age of 35. I think they don't have the chip on their shoulder anymore because they finally won a medal. That was uh, Olympic mm. bronze. Uh, Yes, some of the veteran players are not as good as they were, especially Joe Ingles, for example. But uh, the up-and-coming players are really exciting, especially Josh Giddy. You have guys that can play terrific defense, like Matisse Teibel or, or Josh Green. Maybe you don't have a 
physical, brutal center as you used to with Bogut and, and Baines, but there's Jock Landale after a pretty good season. He's a very good pick-and-roll player. He can also stretch the floor if, if needed. And Australia is, again, another team that always has good chemistry. Uh, they play with extreme physicality. Other teams hate playing against Australia because of all the elbows and everything that happens on the court. They Well, that is... That is Aussie mentality, you can say. It's it's their basketball heritage. And and, and like I said, they're my favorite team. Patty Mills is my favorite player in the competition. In, so I, in FIBA competitions. Uh, yeah, but <laughs> I, I loved him throughout his whole career, especially in San Antonio. Oh, you're the Spurs guy. So right. so I have to pick them. And you don't yeah. e- didn't even mention Joe Ingles, who is like the heart of this I team. I did mention him in the context that he's not as good as he was, but... Okay. It, yeah. When you're thinking about leadership skills, he's as good as anybody. Dyson Daniels is also a guy who plays for the Pelicans, if I'm not mistaken. Dante Exum. Dante Exum. Again, I mean... Time maker. Matisse Taibou. Taibou here. I think Exum Han. learned a lot from, from his experiences in yeah. Europe, and he's a better player now than he was in the past. So it's a great team, mm. a very exciting team, and, and my favorite team as well. So I have to... Uh, pick them. Uh, my other picks include two European teams. Oh, by the way, I actually just recently purchased a tank top that says Aussie, 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 oi, oi, oi. So <laughs> bringing it. Are you going to wear it? Really attached to them. Ritis, are you going to wear it when you're commentating the games from I Philippines? Must. I think I'll wear it on my uh, free time because <laughs> I, I think it's kind of inappropriate to wear a tank top to to work. To commentate the games. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> anyway, you're not on. betting, but we should make a bet where if you lose, you have to do. <laughs> uh, I can do it, but I, I just think it's disrespectful I know, towards I your environment. You would make headlines in Australia, though. I mean, let, let's imagine if Australia is playing in the final. But are you I, going to wear it? I'm not the type of guy who's seeking attention. So I, 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 won't, I won't do that for clicks or mm. anything. Actually, in the previous World Cup, I accidentally got into Tony Parker's Instagram story. Oh, okay. <laughs> because I was sitting in the front row of the commentators, and um, below there was this VIP section where Tony was sitting with Manu. I think Kobe was there, Chris Bosch. Some nice company. To and be, and Tony Parker was just doing a, a selfie video, and and accidentally I got in into it, and I was on Tony Parker's Instagram stories, but. Yeah, that's probably the most famous I was ever in my life. <laughs> but he didn't tag you. For sure. <laughs> Strangely, no. <laughs> Strangely. Didn't even shake just my hand. Just because of your nickname on Instagram, like Riha41 or something, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah just... Okay, so my other two teams to watch are European teams, actually. Uh, our neighbors, Latvia. I have to give them a shout out because... This is the first time they actually made it to the World Cup. And you can sense some excitement in in, in their country. I I spoke with some Latvian people. They're really excited about this competition. They're still on a huge hype after winning a medal in the ice hockey uh, (laughs) world championship. But still, now they're thinking about their basketball team. And even though they have a tough group, I believe that Kristaps Porzingis is right now in a very good place mentally and physically. Um, he had struggles in the past, but uh, now I think he can offer more of the same that Laurie Markkinen does to Finland. Uh, I can remember him playing a qualifier versus Turkey where he just destroyed the the, the Turkish team. Yeah. 
And yes, they don't have a good point guard. That's a problem. That's an issue. But they they have shooters. I mean, this is a team that can kill you um, by the free point line, or they can you you live and die by the free, as it's <laughs> as it is said, and that can happen to them. But I'm excited to to see them in, in this world. Can Cup. you imagine how much more exciting this team would have been with Mike James on the roster? I mean, that would be. Is it, was it a an option? There was a high chance. Yeah. Okay. Front, wait, wait, this year? I don't remember if this or year or the, the last the year. But okay. did they even participate in the Eurobasket? No, I think no, they did not. They were thinking about in getting him on board for the World Cup. And from what I heard, it might be possible that some of the Latvian maybe Federation guys or some of the veterans were against it. So they kind of, you know. Maybe uh, just the government was against giving a passport. Maybe, I don't know. But th this was for sure a real case. And there were some wow. talks already between Mike and, and Latvian Federation okay. or basketball members. So Mike James pausing this <laughs> and all these shooters. Crazy. That would be crazy. That would be crazy. Slovenian, Slovenian type of wildness and excitement. Which is how weird it sounds, Mike James playing for Latvia. <laughs> <laughs> wow it would have been weird yeah eric mentioned in the last podcast you know you have certain ties if you play for a certain amount of time in one country like in, in greece like what kind of ties mike james have with latvia the same ties that mike toby has with slovenia or Lorenzo Lorenzo Brown, Brown has spain, with spain yeah. or kendrick perry with montenegro yeah. That wasn't really a, a well argument, <laughs> even though it sounded nice. But you know, not every guy who gets the passport has really. Yeah, some of them do, like Shane Larkin, for yeah. example. Thomas Walker played in Greece for you know quite some time. So yeah, Latvia. It's just uh, I'm not in the surprised. past they were also missing a true point guard. That was always an issue for them. But they always had shooters. They had yeah, they had Janis they, they still have the Bertans brothers. They used mm. to have Walters brothers. Janis yeah. uh, next. Okay, he's not gonna play. Yeah, he's injured. He's their, injured. Their group is though. Yeah, that's that's what I said. They are in Canada, a very tough France. group. I'm just really excited to see them, and I don't really predict them going very deep in the tournament, but. Mm. I will definitely watch their games and I will love to see them in this competition. I'm not surprised by your choice because you kind of spent more time in Latvia this summer than Lithuania, probably. Uh, I, I, That's close. I, I spent even more in Poland, actually. Okay. So. Yeah. But I'm not picking Poland. Yeah. <laughs> they're not even here. They're not here. So my, my third choice is actually a team that just recently visited Kaunas and had a friendly game in Jalgiris Arena. That's Georgia. Um, I wanted to pick something interesting, but at the same time, not one of the teams that I don't really see making out of the group stage. Because Georgia is actually, again, as similarly as we talked about Montenegro, it's a team with a solid seven or eight-man rotation. You have uh, very physical players. You have some veterans. You have uh, Shermadini and Toko Shengelia. First of all, Shengelia is very motivated to play for his national team and make up um, for the last year uh, previously because uh, because of his injury. Mm. Uh, they have exciting NBA prospects. Uh, Sandro Mamukilashvili is a very interesting player. Uh, Goga Betadze will definitely add a lot. He didn't play in this uh, recent fr friendly game. Um, they have uh, an American scorer, guard, McFadden, who, who is a really good scorer, a streaky shooter. If he gets his rhythm, he's very tough tough to, to stop. Uh, they still have Sinsadze. <laughs> they still have Sinsadze <laughs> and, and, and Sanadze. 
And maybe mm. Marco Shvili will suit up for some of yeah. the games. I don't know. Yeah, he still looks in shape, so, <laughs> so I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> in general, I think it's a pretty good team. Man, their their worst problem is that four of their five best guys are power forwards or even centers. I mean, I know, Shengelia, I know. BCL legend Shermadine, Betadze, Sandro. I mean, that's they they should trade one of those bigs <laughs> to some national team. <laughs> Although now Sandra. everybody miss, but miss you can play Mamukilashvili in, in a different role as, as a small forward. You play a tall lineup anyway. Mm. Uh, he has the skill set to do different things. I think he improved his jump shot. He loves driving to the left. He has this semi-hook shot that is very tough to defend. I don't see it as a problem. I see it as an opportunity, yeah. actually. And, well, yeah, maybe when Shermadini sits, you will play Toko as a five because you don't have a real backup center from what I've what I've seen. I'm not really that... Um, if Bitadze plays, then... Yeah, yeah Goga Bitadze again is on the roster. So I, I, I'm just not really sure about those uh, younger guys they have on the roster. I, I saw some of them for the very first time when they faced Lithuania. And my general um, observation is that they are lacking ball handlers. That's why yeah, sometimes yeah. Stoko or or Sandro Mamukilashvili, they have to bring the ball up the court because uh, their point guards are kind of vulnerable to aggressive defense. And McFadden is a veteran, so we don't want to waste his energy by just bringing the mm. ball up. Mm. Uh, but I do have them as one of the teams to watch. Okay. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I love Georgia. I, I had a conversation actually with Toko Shengelia and when he when I asked him about this injury in the Eurobasket, he, he was talking about that situation and, and the goosebumps because his mindset, he was preparing his mindset and he was preparing others. I mean, he's like a teacher for the other Georgian players, including those NBA guys. He was preparing everybody, you know, to have this mindset that the, every extra step you're making is for this goal, for the Eurobasket in Georgia. And bam, like on the eve of the tournament, uh, the main guy uh, gets injured and he he's missing the competition and basically putting the, their chances and their ambitions in jeopardy. So, so yeah, I hope that they're gonna, you know, recover uh, from that. They're ambitious to even to try to uh, make a shot at qualifying to the Olympics or at least uh, to be in a position to qualify. And let's say we're making one or, or, or two upsets. Who knows? Uh, you never know. Uh, okay, so my top three things to watch, I wouldn't call it teams. Uh, I will start with the easy one, Canada. Finally, they got their almost entire roster. I was just surprised that Jamal Murray, although he was in those pictures of the first day if in Team Canada training camp, there's a high chance that he will miss the competition. It turns out that he still feels tired after the NBA season. He has some issues with his knees and I've heard that he's pretty doubtful uh, to play in the World Cup, which would be a huge uh, hit for, for Canada because I would consider him and Shea Gilgeous Alexander as probably the best backcourt in the competition. And if you add Dylan Brooks, if you add Kelly Olenek, uh, who is a great big man for FIBA competition, Dwight Powell, some some uh, other players, Dort, a lot of other uh, guys on the team, RJ Barrett. I mean, they're deep enough to win medals in, in FIBA basketball. And everybody can say that, oh, they don't have any chemistry. They didn't play together before. I think it's, again, 
this national team basketball is a tricky thing and in in few weeks they might click uh, very well yeah. they have a very nice interesting coach Jordi Fernandez with European basketball background and, and knowledge he, he he's from Spain and he he's having a decent career in the NBA and I've heard that he's future NBA head coach uh, for sure so this whole combination is is very intriguing to me and I'm just happy that Canada uh, might have a legit chance to to compete for something finally finally yes because it was one of those what if teams for almost 10 years and finally we're gonna see something close to their full potential if Jamal Murray decides to play and if you add Andrew Wiggins on top of everything we're hmm. talking gold <laughs> right now you're probably gonna depend on Shea Gilgis Alexander to average 25 points per game or something like that but still they have a lot of talent so I agree with you that they they can win a medal for sure. The second team to watch is the smallest country to make the World Cup in the entire history. Cape Verde, uh, they have their population is less than six hundred thousand people. So basically, it's less than we have in Vilnius here, which is also considered as a small uh, capital uh, in Europe. And Eddie Tavares will do his best, you know, uh, to bring pride to his country and to make this team respected among their opponents. Uh, and I, when I talked to Toko, he also mentioned that when team has Eddie Tavares, I mean, you cannot underestimate uh, them because he has huge impact on the court and he will make everyone better. The interesting thing is that probably we will heal, we will hear a lot of stories that Cape Verde will be one of those teams that will have some issues with the preparation because they don't have a big budget, they don't have money, they don't have enough personal to have a you know normal quality preparation for the World Cup. For instance, from what I heard, again, uh, huge credit to Eddie Tavares, I heard that they're gonna spend more than one week in Madrid and they will practice in Real Madrid facilities and basically they will practice for free because of uh, Eddie Tavares. That's a very nice thing. The problem is that they will transfer to United States, to Boston area. I don't remember a specific area, maybe it's a Providence. And I was told that there are more Cape Verdeans in that area than in the entire Cape Verde uh, country. So they will try to get some funds. But the problem is that they, ha they have some visa issues with Eddie. So probably he's not going to travel to the United States and he will join the national team just in Japan when they will go directly from States to Japan. So it's gonna be one of those stories where if they will even make the World Cup, if they're going to play games, if they're going to, probably they're not going to stay like four guys in one room as it was with some teams like Bosnia and last Eurobasket, which also had some big financial issues and some other issues, but, but I hope that Cape Verde will be one of those Cinderella stories that we will be all pleased to watch and they will be competitive uh, uh, in, in this group F with Slovenia, Georgia and Venezuela. My question is, is Eddie Tavares shooting freeze for his national team? I there think is, that he's doing everything for the national team. Shooting freeze. I want to see him shoot shooting freeze. There, there's one guy I know from that team, at least the roster I see is from- Another Tavares guy? Uh, no, Afro Basket 2021, their roster. And I know one guy, Ivan Almeida, who played who plays, I think, in Portugal. And I think he's the guy who shoots freeze in that team. I think I remember one okay. game, maybe Champions League uh, qualification or something like that, where he had eight or nine made three pointers. So maybe 
they are the core of this team and then who who knows what else they will bring but this story about how how they will prepare is amazing yeah. it's not something you hear anymore uh often in uh, nowadays yeah and third thing to watch for me will be the basketball culture in asian countries indonesia japan and philippines of course we heard a lot of interesting things about the philippines and uh, for us europeans it's very exotic you know it's something very unusual but i believe that we will be uh, fascinated impressed by the differences cultural differences uh, compared to european basketball because for instance when i remember my trip to rio de janeiro olympics in 2016 i didn't know what to expect we haven't heard brazilian basketball fans being thing being great fans or something we never heard stories about them and i was really impressed i don't remember the capacity of the gym that they played in but i think it was something close to twenty thousand. they packed the gym the game against lithuania was impressive i mean they were super loud singing songs probably it's it's coming from football field you know this whole uh and brazilians just in general they're very passionate about sports about their country so it was an amazing atmosphere and i believe that i will experience something like that in philippines i will spend almost three weeks in in manila uh, but I believe that in every uh, host country, it will be interesting. For instance, Japan, I've heard stories that in Japan league, in some arenas, they gave like rule books of basketball. They give uh, guidance of when to uh, applaud how, players, to how to cheer. And uh, Martina, our uh, colleague from Basket News, uh, her husband, uh, Brock Motton, played in Japan last year. And there were still some COVID restrictions. And according to those restrictions, it was uh, disallowed to cheer against the opposing team. So if you're cheering, you have to support, even if, if, if it means the away team. So you cannot uh, boo. Yeah, exactly. And... Uh, I remember my trip to South Korea and South Korean fans were also, you know, superly excited about Lithuanian Valenciunas because they follow yep. NBA guys and they were also cheering, roaring for Lithuanians. So I think it will be unique experience. I think some of hmm. our more experienced colleagues could share uh, their experiences from the 2006 World Cup because mm -hmm. it was in Japan and yeah, there were Lithuanian journalists that we know and we could ask them but it's it's different this time because it's in Okinawa it's yeah it's not in Tokyo or or in other big cities yeah. but I think that Okinawa also has a they're kind of kind of crazy about basketball by Japan standards because there are a lot of American uh, people okay. over there because okay. of US Army basement or something so uh so yeah it, there's, there's just culture. one thing i i cannot wrap my head around for a long time philippines is one of the rare countries where basketball is number one sport they're obsessed with basketball uh they're crazy about basketball how is it that they cannot really play basketball on a high level because of their physical limitations they're just too short but I mean, come on, that they do have some taller players. Like they they never had Ty a player Soto. in the Euroleague. They they never had a real Filipino player in the NBA. Ritis, I, I think I have found an answer, and Donatas was okay. correct. I I checked Philippines average size, and average Filipino man is one sixty three centimeters tall. Yeah, but that's, that's five point four. That's, that's, that's in general. I'm talking about the basketball team. 
like um, okay you can be undersized you, but you but but it doesn't mean you cannot really compete maybe they you know they are fans but they're i'm not sure how for how long they are fans of basketball maybe you know now they are supporting cheering for the last 10 15 maybe years but they still don't have the culture to they actually prepare, have the culture prepare the guys I'm, i'm listening to some great audiobook about the history of filipino basketball and it they 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 started to create this culture from 70s or 80s they were never okay. at a very high level as a professional league and a national team they had half filipino players in the nba not very you know prominent uh, players but there is this culture it's just more about these physical limitations okay. as crazy as it sounds they're skilled they're they all love basketball they love to play those pickup games in in streets uh, outside uh, courts with flip-flops there's some crazy okay, moves so i just have to bring my flip-flops then yeah probably <laughs> will be involved in some some clashes i will show my pope post moves and starting yeah. at center uh, read this. I, I, i will be starting at center because <laughs> these days even when i play pickup basketball in lithuania i play uh, let's say in the paint because of my physical <laughs> yeah. limitations as you're, well you're, you're point four <laughs> because point i don't center. i don't have one knee i'm and i'm i have some unnecessary <laughs> weight so i go play with my back to the basket uh, so yeah these are my three things to watch in the world cup What else do we have? Some EuroLeague topics. Uh, this week was, I would say, uniquely quiet. No crazy transfers. No more NBA players uh, coming. I think that Juancho Hernan Gomez was the last big uh, addition, Campbell Walker as well. But there are some rumors. Uh, and the most, the closest to reality, the the highest prob- probability nba to come to Europe is Svi Mihailuk. Who's in uh, negotiations with Man Laikos? His priority is the NBA. He's waiting for the NBA offers, and he asked more time. He he he's keeping his options open over there. But probably, if he's coming to Europe, the team at the pole position to sign him at least in the last few days was uh, Laikos. What would you think about this uh, connection? Would you see it as a last perfect piece in this whole new Laikos puzzle? Absolutely loving the fit here for Panathinaikos. I think with Papa Petro no longer being a valuable, viable option for the starting lineup, if you are serious about contending for the title, he is great off the bench, but you need someone in front of him to start. Mikhailuk is a great, would be a great pickup here. You have Lesort, you have all those guards, you know, creating. So first of all, you need a shooter here and, you know, check. Checkmark here. He's a great shooter. Uh, he can just spot up. He can do even more than that. But then it might come as a surprise because he doesn't play much, but he's also a great playmaking wing. And uh, uh, I checked the stats. You know, he didn't play much in the NBA, but in the possessions he had, he was better than 99% of all NBA players in the pick and roll. 1.28 points per possession. So that's amazing number, better than anyone in the league. Uh, all, Of course, only 35 possessions, so that's not a lot. That's a very small sample size. The more pick and rolls you play, the less points per possession you get. But uh, he could have that uh, Kruno Simon role, I think, if we are looking for references with the mm-hmm. old uh, championship winning FS teams. You know, he was the 
And they had Mitic, they had Larkin, and they have Kruno Simon, who was often not only shooting, but he was creating off the dribble. So Sui could do exactly the same. And then just imagine the starting lineup, you know, it's Lucas, Vildoza, Mikhailuk, uh, Juancho, and, and Matias Lazor. That sounds amazing to me. That sounds championship material on paper, obviously. So I, I'm absolutely loving the fit here. I don't know about you guys. And by the way, you mentioned this comparison thing and you mentioned Kronos Simon. Uh, I think that, don't you think that in some ways Mikhailik also reminds Vasily Misic and the skill set and things that he can bring to the court? Because I think that different from Kruno, I think that Mikhailik loves to play with the ball more than Simon. I, I don't think that it was so necessary for Simon to have the ball in his hands so much like Mikhailuk. Because mm. Mikhailuk, I think in Europe, he's a perfect playmaker. Uh, and I believe that he will he will want to have, you know, higher usage than maybe Kruno Simon uh, did in FS. I think so. I think, he, yeah, you're right. I mean, I imagine him, we saw what he can do in the international tournaments yeah. uh, with his country. He can... He can be the number one option and, you know... He's not a real point guard, but he basically plays like a point guard. Yeah, so it's it's not like... Uh, I, I talked about the shooting first, but I think he's... Uh, but I think he's going to be much more than yeah. that and one of the most important, if not the most important player in that roster if he signs with them. Mm. I'll have more when he signs. Okay. Because if, if he doesn't, then, you know... It, these opinions wouldn't matter uh, if his priority is, is the NBA. There's still probably uh, a chance that he will sign for some NBA team. Uh, but, you know, he, he played in a, in a limited role when he was with various NBA teams. So it's kind of hard to judge him on that, but you could just see his skill set. And he... In my eyes, he would be a perfect EuroLeague player. I mean, when I'm saying perfect, obviously I'm exaggerating. Nobody's perfect, but in terms of um, European players uh, coming back from the NBA to the EuroLeague, or not coming back, or just actually for the first time playing in the EuroLeague, he would be one of the best examples. Uh, like Elio Kobo, for example, uh, first season with Asphalt, he was he was a a force on offense so I, I could imagine Mikhailuk being that as well it would be up to the coach to actually just uh, decide on the roles mm. uh, who has the ball more often because they do have these guards as as um, August already said when you have Slukas and Vildosa maybe you don't need Mikhailuk as your Vasilya Mitsic mm. type of player so yeah but I, I think they cannot go wrong with, with signing a player like Mikhailuk Another guy who was linked with Euroleague teams was Kendrick Nunn. Uh, there were some reports on Twitter that he had a done deal in place with Olympiacos. Kendrick Nunn denied it. But what do you think in general about the fit? Because from what I heard for sure that he was offered to Euroleague teams. Mm -hmm. And the same goes with uh, John Wall. Although he said that uh, him being in talks with Milan is, is fake news. There's this part of the story where agencies are exploring all options for the players and they're, mm. you know, given kind of requests if you would be interested, if yes, in what terms and what conditions. And it's very likely that some of these players, they're not aware of what's going on, especially players like 
John Wall or Kendrick Lynn without a guaranteed place in the NBA. So their agencies are just working for exploring the options and offering their uh, services to the EuroLeague teams. But um, well, John Wall is a different story, but Kendrick Nunn, uh, if Olympiakos, let's say, if if they would sign Kendrick Nunn, first of all, they're replacing a left-handed point guard with another left-handed point guard, which makes sense. But I don't know where where it went wrong for Kendrick Nunn. Like the guy had an amazing rookie season with the Miami Heat. He was the reason why Goran Dragic was not playing as many minutes in the regular season coming off the bench. It seemed like the Miami Heat have a player for 10 years in the future who will be one of their starting guards. And then all of a sudden in the Orlando bubble during that COVID season, he just lost his role in the rotation. And Mike Spolstra didn't trust him anymore. Afterwards, he signed with the LA Lakers and it looked like it could be a good signing for the Lakers, but he didn't really had any didn't really have any impact on the Lakers. Then he spent some time with the Washington Wizards, and then we all forgot about mm-hmm. Kendrick Nunn. And he's 28, and it doesn't seem that he had some big injuries yeah. or something like that. So but he missed the season due to injury. Ah, uh, okay. You mean 21, 22? Yeah. Okay, but he did not play. But even before that, he was he had a decline after after his great uh, let's say first uh, part of the regular season with the Miami Heat. I can't say. I, I'm just looking at the stats, pure stats right now. First season, 15 points per game, 15.3. Second season, 14.6, and then he misses the whole 21-22 season because of the bone bruise injury that was that didn't allow him to play at all for, for that year. And then he signs with uh, Lakers and he score, he is having a seven point season. This oh, season. so you mean he missed the uh, 21, 21, 22. Okay, okay. But, but like I said, I mean, his decline began in the Orlando bubble where he was out of the rotation. But okay, maybe then you can say he was not as experienced as Goran Dragic, coach mm-hmm. had other preferences and et cetera, et cetera. So, we are not really sure in what shape he is right now and what he can mm. offer. Uh, if you're talking about, uh, let's say, two-year, six million euro deal, that's kind of a risky deal for Olympia Cost. Mm. It sounds to me that way. I haven't I'm not seen sure if these are right numbers. So, but if they are, I, I, I saw some rumors. Yeah, but yeah. if if they these are, that, that sounds like really risky because he has signed, but because you're gambling true. on a player. You're not signing someone who had a great season last year and some other Euroleague team, and you're just replacing Lucas. You're gambling. So Lucas yeah. is supposed to be getting three million per year. So if those numbers would be true, then you know, they could have offered Lucas. <laughs> That amount of money, just we're bringing that up again. Just kidding, guys. <laughs> just kidding. Um, what are your thoughts about Nance, or especially what do you think about John Wall? What do I think about John Europe, Wall? <laughs> mixed feelings. I'm not in favor of signing NBA veterans who are not relevant in the NBA anymore because of reasons, usually injuries. I'm not really. Super excited about Kemba Walker coming to Monaco. I wouldn't be so excited about John Wall uh, coming to Milan. I don't really have an example where it really worked out. And people were saying, 
wow, they did sign a 34-year-old NBA veteran and now he's a EuroLeague star. MVP. Do you have examples <laughs> as such? That's a good point. You we can that's, a, that's a good question. We can go through all the Kenny <laughs> Andersons, Lamar Odoms, and, and, and other players. and Robert Pack. I mean, and Jarkis. Okay, Robert had, Pack was Pack decent. Was good. That was, was good. He was decent. Oh, I, I, I get you, Ritis. Like, I have mixed feelings because are you signing him because you want to replace Pangos and he's like the best remaining available option on the market? Or do you sign him because you really like him? Like, are you signing him because of his name? Yeah, exactly, of his career. So it's for me, it's obvious they want to switch Pangos badly with someone. You know, there are many rumors and, uh, but I don't, I don't know, like Milano's play offense is highly dependent on guards. Messina does give you high usage, but mm. would Messina have the patience where John Wall just, maybe does something he wasn't asked for, you know, because, you know, he, he played his mm. whole career as the main ball handler and he could just go with his speed and and, and yeah. do whatever in the NBA. And it, it was okay because if he's not in shape, that won't be available in the EuroLeague. Uh, who, who knows if he's in shape, he hasn't played. Uh, he had you know, injuries, injuries he had as well. Those situations in Houston last season, we saw him, glimpses of him in the LA Clippers, but... I don't know, man. And imagine, imagine you have Milano right now have like 18 players in the front court, like yeah. not 18, but you know, if they sign Miritic, imagine Miritic asking for the ball in a, in a great position under the basket and John Wall just, you know, doing something, maybe not what Messina has asked him to do. And how, how does this connection work? How does this relationship would work? So, uh, I mean, prime John Wall was a scary player. But the reality is, we're never gonna see prime John Wall anymore. So what? And, and, so in two years' time, maybe somebody from the Euroleague goes uh, for Derrick Rose <laughs> because of nostalgia. Uh, I don't really like this strategy. I don't mm. see what value it brings to the team. Uh, it's not like you're all of a sudden making some commercial revenue by signing John Wall. It doesn't work that way in in European basketball landscape. I'm thinking about all these guys. What Tony Delk for Panathinaikos? Dominic Wilkins but was the last one. Those Tony guys, Delk was Mok not Makadu, that I mean, relevant in the NBA. So ah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, probably. Maybe I will be proven wrong. Let's say Kemba Walker has a amazing season, averaging mm. 18 points per game, playing just one game but per week. But it's different. I mean, I don't have that. I don't think that they have very high expectations for Kemba to be the main guy. I mean, he's joining the team with Mike James, Lloyd, and Kobo. So I think that they might be happy just getting, you know, something around 10 points per game for him. Well, they might be happy, but I mean, the fans probably see, wow, Kemba Walker's coming yeah. to town. Wow, that's an NBA all-star. And and if it doesn't work out, they still have... If it go, it translates so, into buying so tickets, them buying signing, merchandise, that, that, that's great. So Monaco signing Kemba Walker is not a risky move. Yeah, it's a no. one-year deal and maybe there are some... The clauses very, in the contract yeah, yeah. that they, the contract is very flexible. So okay, so yeah. for them, they're not risking. But if let's say Olympiakos replaces Lucas with Kendrick Nunn and they sign him yeah. as their primary point guard, that's risky because yeah. you you don't know what you're gonna get. I see your point. Yeah, and if Milano signs John Wall to run the show, and he's coming not in in shape, let's say, or or maybe you know he just his injuries. 
have the best of him, then, yeah. then Let's what, say what he do would you do? On top of the I, ranking I just have of this the high risk really, moves, right? I just have this really small window where I could see things working out because these uh, players with uh, bad injury history like Campbell Walker or John Wall, in the NBA regular season, you play back-to-back -back games, you travel all the time, 82-game regular season, blah, 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 all that stuff. You sign for a European team, uh, you play, let's say, one game a week, you don't play on Saturday in your national mm -hmm. league. Uh, maybe you could deal with that sort of load and 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 you could have a good season and produce good numbers and win games but it's it's a huge maybe that's probably what Kemba will do and you know even if it Kemba thing doesn't work out they still have James Okobo and Lloyd there so I, that's why I see it that's why I love the move for Monaco but not a big fan of I wouldn't be a big fan of this move for uh, Milano mm. yeah Alan Iverson for Besiktas his debut game Hemofarm <laughs> I was surprised by <laughs> Allen Iverson stats in Besiktas I, because I remember I tried to find some comparisons to the star level players uh, that I could compare yeah. to Campbell Walker's uh, signing and of course we remember that Deron Williams actually had a nice stint with Besiktas yeah, but Allen uh, Iverson in three Euro Cup games he was averaging nine points on Okay, 60% of three-point shooting, but it was like three from five, 50% free throws, 32% two-point shooting, uh, 1.7 turnovers, and three assists per game. I saw these games because they were on Eurosport at the time, and, and, and that, that debut game <laughs> versus Hemo Farm, wow. as I said, everyone was so excited to see Allen Iverson, and he was scoring. 15 points. Yeah, he was scoring, game. he made some shots, but he didn't play any defense. The team suffered uh, very much, and in the end, they actually lost the game. And then yeah. I saw other games, I think they played one in France. As well. Yeah. Both games against as well, four and nine points. So he made some shots, but then then you could see he, had, he really doesn't have the fire. He doesn't really seem very motivated to be here. And it ended pretty quickly. Deron Williams is a different example. He signed during the lockout. He was still more or less in his prime. Yeah. So you weren't surprised to see him scoring, like dropping 40 in a FIBA challenge whatever cup that it was, was actually FIBA Euro challenge yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as crazy as it sounds and Ergin Adamon was the coach yep. yep he was coaching the Ron Williams yeah and his jersey got retired uh, I think I don't know about that in but, Besiktas but I yeah think. if you could uh, like prime the Ron Williams in EuroLeague for sure he would be a beast but we're talking about these players in their prime if it's not a lockout year, you don't get them in your in their prime. You get them because they exactly. don't have NBA offers anymore. They don't have where to play. <laughs> yeah, I think it's time to wrap up the episode. Uh, great to have you here all in studio, guys. Uh, during the summer is not so easy, but I think that approaching the World Cup, we will have those chances uh, more and more often. Of course, Ritis will have his in and out situations in the upcoming weeks, but they, uh, mainly out situations. There are outs. not too many ins. Uh, <laughs> but at least it is going to the World Cup uh, and probably we will do Zoom podcasting during the competition. So we will cover, we'll try to cover as much as possible of the World Cup, although we will be in Manila with Ritis, but with the help of Augustas, we'll try to cover all the groups, all teams and the, all the most exciting thing. Uh, things to watch. Uh, thanks for watching. Join our Beyond Plus community on basketnews.com slash plus because we will have Q&A episode next week with Augustus. See you soon.